welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back for another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. The Dine Sports Podcast Network is growing. Many of you have probably seen the announcement already. We've got another new show launching this summer. It'll take off on August 3rd. Going to have a fantasy football show with some phenomenal contributors and guest hosts that'll be on there as well, too. So you don't just need to listen to my voice all the time. Got some more folks joining the Dine Sports Podcast Network, and we are thrilled to have them. So be sure to go and throw a follow to Dynasty League. That's D-Y-N-E-S-T-Y League on all the social media accounts there. A little play on words. We're going to be doing all the fantasy football action that you guys can handle. So very excited about that. We've got some more things brewing behind the scenes. But as far as this episode is concerned, we've got two great guests up first. Many of you will probably recognize him as the man behind the scenes, uh, sends social media running all of their Twitter, Instagram, interviews with players, some of the bits that have gone viral over the years. Craig Medallia is now the producer of the Runaway Success Wally and Mathot show with Mark Mathot and Brent Wallace. We've already had two of them on the show. We got to have Craig come on and give his two cents as well. And we talk about his time with the Senators, his time over at the new show, what it's like launching things in a pandemic and get a behind the scenes look of what it's like working with Brent and Mark day in, day out. Some of the cool stuff he gets to do and the things that he's going to be involved with there. Then we've got friend of the show, Alex Dorward, who has launched a new charity called 12 Because. And it is raising funds for 12 different charities over 12 months. And each month he's doing some new ridiculous physical feat that... Uh, I wouldn't be interested in doing, but he's doing it all for the very good cause of raising money for some very deserving charities that have been hit hard by the pandemic. So we're going to talk to him about what he's had already going on because it's actually already started. He's done a couple of these feats already, what he's got coming up, and then he's got a big grand finale as well planned too. So some very cool things he has in the works. So let's get right into it though. Up first, sitting down with our friend Craig Medallia. And joining us on the podcast today, we've got former Senator, social media guru, and now the producer of the Runaway Success, the Wally and Mathot Show, we've got Craig Medallia. Craig, how are you doing today, sir? Good, good, Kyle. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, doing well. First and foremost, happy Leafs Elimination Day today. Ooh, it's, always a, it's always a happy day. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> in a year where everything got turned upside down, lives got shifted all over the place, does it lend a little bit of normalcy to see the Leafs bow out in the first round again? Uh, maybe. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it's I'm just getting older or what, but I didn't enjoy this one as much. I think it's because it was more sad. <laughs> like, it wasn't funny. Like, it was, I mean, the collapse was kind of funny, I guess, but it wasn't, it was just kind of sad. So I don't know. I didn't take as much joy in this one. I was kind of hoping they'd, I mean, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at rivals, right. For, for the Ottawa senators, right. I want to see the, I want to see the Leafs have some success and Montreal have some success. And so that these rivalries actually mean something because it seems like they've been like roller coastering the entire time, right? Like somebody's good. The other one's terrible. So I was kind of hoping that maybe they'd all intersect and we'd see some playoff series, but I, I mean, Toronto still looks really good. I mean, I don't think they need to change much. I just, little bit of luck maybe goes a long way and I don't know some dead more depth but I mean the, the core wise they look great so just didn't work out in a shortened sample size and that happens sometimes so I think people are going to overreact and they're going to want them to tear it all down and whatever else I hope they they, they stick with it so that uh, we can see some sense in uh, Maple Leafs playoff series down the road here well that's just it right like we're kind of getting flashbacks to some of those earlier iterations of the senators where they'd have all this regular season success they'd look like the class yeah. of the division get to the playoffs and then unfortunately normally they would be against the leafs that they would run into that buzzsaw and get eliminated but like mm -hmm. you know if you're looking in the grand scheme of things if you're a leafs fan right now they've had it both ways where you look back to 2013 yeah. it's the epic 4-1 third period collapse where they just rip that heart rate out in front of their eyes. They watch their team explode. Uh -huh. This one was more of a slow burn though because they roll yeah. out to that 3-1 series lead and then over five days of just that Toronto media mailstorm going on there. Like if you were a fan and you had to pick, which one would it be? Would it be that epic collapse or would it be what we just witnessed happen? I, I think at least long term the epic collapse like you you can take some pride and some fun in knowing that you were there and you watched it and um i mean i'm sure like that if you look at the last 
well, prior to this year, the last three, four years with the Ottawa Senators, right? Like, yeah, it wasn't the best seasons, but you gutted it out and you kind of found some fun little moments in there. So, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I imagine getting dunked on that hard in the playoffs uh, is, not a, is not a fun thing to live through. But I, I think that this one was just, it wasn't as much fun. I think that you mentioned the media side of things in Toronto. Like, that's crippling, man. Like, you just know, like, uh, like you're just going to get pounded if you lose this series and they did and now they are it's like oh it's it's more the inevitability of it which i didn't like i think we all saw it coming and no one wanted to believe it and everybody's like even going into game seven people are well my my dear friends brent wallace and mark mathot i think meth picked the uh the upset here on game seven but both of them were like ah toronto's pro- probably got this one it's like yeah. i think everyone just kind of assumed they did and uh, it did not happen. So that was kind of, I mean, I guess that's kind of fun. But. <laughs> yeah, another year to go and uh, they still haven't exercised those demons. Who knows what's in the future, but that's enough Leafs talk. Yeah, right good. Right now here, you know, you're, you're a Sens guy, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You used to run their social media accounts and mm-hmm. you put out really engaging stuff as well too, which is why I think you were such a popular guy amongst the fans because if you follow any NHL Twitter accounts or even Instagram accounts, there's a lot of vanilla stuff out there. There's not too much that really grabs yeah, tough sledding yeah absolutely uh, so like when you and your team were planning out these posts or these videos or these bits or whatever you were putting out there like what was your process sort of like to come up with these ideas um i think that when people ask that like the easiest way to kind of start talking about it is really just looking at uh the strengths and weaknesses we had as a team and an organization and as a content group and everything we were a small group right so we couldn't we couldn't be the biggest. We weren't going to have the most followers. Like we weren't the most historic or like we didn't have any of those things, but we were small and we were nimble and we were new, right? Like the Ottawa Senators are only what, 30 years old? When's their 30th year? It wasn't, I thought it was this year, but I think I'm crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Season, I think. When did they roll out the, uh, I, mean, I don't know. It feels like maybe we missed it, but I, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to jinx anything here. Um, it, maybe it's next year. I don't, I don't know how things work with the bubble and all that stuff, but um, we were, we're just such a small team that we, we wanted to kind of use that nimbleness to uh, just be a little more dynamic and kind of um, with Ottawa being such a young team, we actually looked at it like, okay, what if the Ottawa centers were a person, right? They'd be mm-hmm. roughly 25 to 30 years old. Like what kind of music would they listen to? What would make them laugh? Like, and so you start kind of putting an identity to the team and then it helps you kind of carve out socially and content wise, what you want to accomplish. Right. So we, we couldn't be the most historic uh, with the most tradition. Like we had, we have Montreal and Toronto on either side of us, hundred year old things. And, and the way I look at it is they're your grandparents, right? Like they can't, like if they try and did what we did, not that they couldn't do it and not that it wouldn't be done well, but mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't feel as authentic, right? Like they're the classy, the half hour pregame ceremonies. Like that's them. That's their, that's their thing. That's what they do. That's what the fans like. That's what people expect of them. Uh, they love classy things. Like they like that stuff. Whereas, the Sens were younger, right? Like we can make mistakes. We can be a little more brash. We can listen to rap music. We can like, we, we just tried to uh, foster more of a youthful feel to everything. And that's really how we started kind of looking at the um, building our content side of things. And, and that worked to our advantage too, where we'd look at opportunities. Like there's many, I mean, you, you mentioned kind of teams and, and how vanilla can get, like there's many areas where, where teams don't put a lot of effort into it. And for mm-hmm. us, like looking back, it was things like Vine or Snapchat or like they just kind of had it because they had to. No one was really trying that hard at it. So with a small a bit of effort, we could be the best in the league, which is not something the Ottawa Senators can say about a lot of things. And that's not a knock on them as an organization. They're a small market team in Canada, right? Like there's only so many things you can be the best in the league at. So if you can identify those things, especially the easy wins and just start knocking them off, like we realized like, okay, we can, it's not a lot of people making kind of the fun content side of things or the meme side of thing. Like it just didn't feel like it was fitting for a lot of places. And so for us, we're like, okay, that can be our thing. That can be a thing that we can be known for. And um, so we worked pretty hard at that. So a lot of it was just trying to find wins, like easy wins that we could because or else if we're trying to compete with the Toronto's and the Montreal's of the world with their resources and uh, their history and all that stuff, like that's it, a losing battle. Right. So why even fight it? So we, we, we decided to just try and go a different way. And a huge part of that success as well, too, was how involved the players were in a lot of the videos and all of that and yeah. content out and really sucking the fans in and showing like, hey, I'm more than just a name on the jersey. So when you're thinking back on it, were there any players who really relished that opportunity to get in front of a camera a little bit more than their peers and really bust out their acting chops? Yeah, you know what's funny is I think like, 
I mean, the obvious answer is like the Dylan DeMellos of the world and stuff like that. And by the way, how phenomenal was it to see him at, on the shutdown pairing in a sweep against you? Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, we, we get that there. He, I think there was times I was talking with Meth about it actually afterwards, because there was times where he looked like yeah, a little, little shaky with the puck and those things. But um, I mean, he was playing against McDavid and Drysaddle like nonstop all night. Like they want, they swept that series. What more do you want? So anyways, yeah. uh, side topic there. Um, but I think it's a lot of the guys that you're seeing, uh, pop up more now right like the Joey Decords um, the Nick Pauls like those are the guys like it, it's it wasn't so much about like it's about finding their thing right like what's your thing on camera and it can be as simple as like Nick Paul like he's done a lot for mental health I know he's kind of gone through his things and uh, he's bounced back so he's, he's a big advocate at that so we're like okay let's put him in a position where he's like comfortable and talking about those things um, and I'm not sure if you noticed a lot of our best stuff like we typically try and have more than one guy mm -hmm. Like if, if a player walks into a room and it's just me and our team and Adam Wood and those guys, we'll get, a, we'll get what we need out of them. But if you get two players on there, it's a totally different dynamic. So we, we kind of really tried to leverage that. Um, and that's why having Dylan kind of front and center, like that made it so much easier. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think guys like Joey Decord are, are great examples just because like he went from one of many goaltender prospects and he kind of stood out and, and a lot of it was not, don't get me wrong. His play was great, but a lot of those things were those. So he's smart enough to know like those little moments, the, the, the interview with Kyle Buskaskis after, uh, um, after his first win, like those are, those are, that's content. Like he, like he gave a great interview, like being able to do that can really raise your, your brand and raise your value. And uh, especially in the eyes of fans. Right. And that's where, uh, I mean, something that we tried to do is there was a while there where people didn't really like the Ottawa senators. So we tried to make them like the players, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so if I can make you fall in love with Mark stone during the worst year and for like, okay, then that's, that's good. Or Brady Kachuk or whoever. Um, if you can fall in love with the players, then you'll eventually fall in love with the team. Right. And that's, that was kind of the background. People didn't, for many reasons, didn't want to support the team in certain ways, especially during a rebuild and coming to watch games on Tuesday nights in November against Columbus that don't mean anything. Like that's hard. That's a hard, hard sledding. Right. So we really kind of tried to push the player dynamic. We wanted, I wanted every, every fan to have their favorite player and I wanted them to get excited about it. Right. And that's the, getting to the sports management side of things like that's the progression you make right is you get an entry level thing in it just has to be something right i think that uh, the work that we did on that end was probably i think you're going to see like some of the dividends get paid out long after we're gone because that's the groundwork that we tried to lay and it was for our benefit too like we we really wanted to kind of build these players up the more the people like them and they're in on it the, the harder part is is when those guys leave right like when you spend years building up a mark stone and then you trade them that and eric carlson or like that's that's kind of devastating. So um, that's the trick part of it is you got to keep these guys. So hopefully, I mean, the Thomas Shabbat contract looks great. I'm hoping Brady sticks around for a long time too. And then, then you'll really see like roots getting late. Like, and that's where I think we, we've been kind of without a core for a couple of years. We had little ones here and there then that got restarted or added to or whatever. But I think this is the, this is the next core that you're going to be able to compare to the Alfie Spezza, Fisher, Phillips, like Neil, like this core. So I think you're going to see a lot more parallels between that, which is very cool. I'm really hoping that maybe they look at some of the storytelling between that, especially with now that we have an alumni too in Ottawa. I mean, that's good. There's, there was a while there where we didn't have much alumni because they were all still playing. So, uh, but now with guys like even meth, right? Like having that guy as an alumni now, like that's pretty sweet. So ho hopefully uh, things like that start to get leveraged and you'll see the parents that were fans of that original core that watched them go to the cup finals 15 years ago. Um, their kids now are going to be watching that. So I don't know. I think it's a little poetic. So hopefully I don't, uh, are crying or anything yeah well i was gonna say i wonder how many fans are uh, living nostalgically and watching old mark stone content right now when they see vegas having all the success uh, that they're having uh yeah no i hear you man yeah so if we take the flip side of the coin there were, were there any maybe lighter hearted moments with you're working with either one player or two players trying to get a bit together and it's just clear that insert player name here is just not comfortable on camera and it's you're just doing take after take after take and you're going okay so it doesn't have a future in hollywood but this is what we need you to do <laughs> yeah well and that's something we learned pretty early on is like and that's something to this day i i it's one of the bigger lessons i've learned is like don't get hockey players to act <laughs> have, like instead of having them like have them react right like you can do that but if they have to act and remember lines like these guys that's not what they do they yeah. they can't act at all like and it's something where i mean if you have an eye for it and you watch a lot of these things you can tell 
And you can just see like, oh, he's reading something or, oh, this is what I, he's supposed to say this. We didn't want that. So yeah. it was more so just to create more of an authentic vibe, like find their strengths. So Dylan DeMello can talk so he can host. Uh, we, I loved working with a lot of the European guys we had, the uh, uh, Scandinavian guys, the Russian guy, like they're just, cause they're just different, right? Like it's a different walk of life. And uh, for those guys, it was always a language barrier, right? So, okay, let's not lean too heavily on them to talk too much. Let's give them things that they can do that like is funny so we that was the joke about the whole christmas thing was like we never wanted to get guys to act so we're like let's lean into it even harder and like make them act for another player because they know it's going to suck they don't want to do it they'll complain to him they won't complain to me so it's it um yeah i would say it's the inability for most hockey players to act there's a few guys that can but not many and i wouldn't trust it so yeah, no, absolutely. And you can even see it in a lot of the post-game pressers and interviews and all of that as well, too. You can probably count on one hand on each team how many actually enjoy being in front of that camera and acting versus sure. uh, just giving the traditional hockey speak answers to every single question that gets thrown their way. Yeah, and, and you'll notice like media guys will have their favorite guys for that reason, right? Like the guy, you know, you can always go to for a quote. That's why you'll like media, they always love the Boros of the world or Mark Mathots or whatever, because they'll, they just speak from the heart. They tell you what they honestly feel. You're not going to get too much sugar-coated stuff where, so you'll always kind of be able to tell when you need a quote from somebody. And it always comes from like one of the same four guys. It's like, that's media knowing like that's that guy's money for quotes. So always go to him. So even like a Christian Willannon, right? Like he was a guy I loved. I loved working with Wooly. He, he's super smart, great head on his shoulders, great player. I, he, he gets it. I'm he's an NHL player for sure. He's just got it. He's just got to find the time to do it now. Right. Like he's one of those guys that absolutely got crippled with this COVID stuff and injuries. And so anyways, he's playing at the world. That's great. But uh, what's more so is his, the understanding that these guys have of the importance of digital and social, right. And leaning into those things and being able. So if you can give a good quote and it can pop up on social, like it, it's good for your brand. So whenever guys always would ask me, like, what should I get better at? Or I want to, I want to get more followers. What should I do? And that's one of them is like, okay, stop giving canned answers. Like start talking like a human being, uh, start showing your actual personality and then, then it'll come. So that's where you'll see the biggest kind of strengths uh, of this team right now is Brady Kachuk is he's an amazing hockey player and he's an amazing person with an amazing personality and it's infectious and it gets the best out of everybody. So the content team in Ottawa right now, like their plan, it should just be point the camera at him and that house and just capture it because they'll do the work for you. Um, and those are, those guys are super rare. Like it's really rare. That, like I, I was making fun of Brady last summer because he was making more content than we were with the Nerf stuff and the sports net stuff. And so there's guys that just get it. And it all starts with having a personality and it doesn't need to be the funny Brady Kachuk over, over the top personality. It can be whatever you are. It's, it's just amp whatever you are, amplify the best parts. And that's, that's your, that's your personality on digital. I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of what we always try to do at least. Oh yeah. If, if not for COVID, like the amount of content that would be coming out of that Stutzel, Kachuk, uh, Norris. House too bad. Hey, I know. I know. Oh, God. Just get some hidden cameras in there and just live stream the entire thing. Like I, uh, I think you'd probably get millions tuned into it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the trick. The tricky part with, with uh, content during COVID here is just the optics, right? Cause the second you do something, the first people think people do is they're going to scan it and they're going to see like, what, Oh, what are they not doing? Are they not six feet? Who's not wearing a mask? And it's just like, okay. So it's, it's just added such a dangerous wrinkle to those things where if you're not super careful, like a fun little thing can just go off the rails, right? If you miss the mark on one. So a lot of people, I mean, they're just not trying, like, and I don't blame them. Like it's, it's not worth it. in a lot of times to go above and beyond to try and make something uh, that's just going to get shredded because you didn't, weren't super cautious about every little detail. So I, I get it. Like, it's so weird, right? Those guys live in a house together. They're together all the time. They travel together. They play on the same team. It's like, you could probably show those guys hanging out socially a little more, but it's the optics of things, right? So it's just, it's may, may not be worth it. Yeah. Internet police come out in full force. So yeah. Speaking of COVID, obviously 2020 rolls around, COVID happens, you end up taking a step back and you mm -hmm. end up parting ways. We've already had both Brent and Mark on the show and they've sort of given their version of things. So you're, you're completing the trifecta here, but yeah. I want to know origin story, like how did it all come together for the three of you guys to start piecing together the Wally and Mathot show? Yeah. Uh, well, I left the Sens uh, last, it's almost been a year. I think it was like a year ago-ish, a couple of days from now. So um, that I kind of gave my notice or whatever. And it was, it was time to move on. Uh, yeah. I was, I was done. I had no, I had nothing. You know what the hardest part was, was we had just worked 85% of a regular season and during the season, right? You work 
six, six and a half days a week, every week, evenings, weekends, like it's a grind. Mm -hmm. And usually if you're not in the playoffs, which we were anticipating not being, uh, is once spring rolls around, you get a little bit of your time back and you get to kind of breathe a little bit, obviously focusing on the draft and the draft lottery and those types of things leading in development. Like that's kind of where our head was at. It was just like, okay, let's slow down a little bit here. And it just ramped up even more with COVID, right? Like, cause you gotta be, nothing else is happening. You have to create something from scratch nonstop every day. So it was a battle. Um, but I, I, and to be honest with you, I'd spent the next few months just kind of like trying to, cause we, we, we'd even chatted a few times. Like I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I still wanted to work in sports. Uh, I wasn't sure a lot of, a lot of things. I just kind of spent the, the next six to eight months or so, or whatever it was, uh, just kind of using the COVID time as best I could, which was like, eh, getting a lot of things in order, uh, trying to figure out career stuff. I, like we just, when we were chatting before, like I'm, I'm at home with my kids so they can remote school. So we didn't have that. Like my wife's a, a high school teacher. So she's been going back and forth. So it's COVID's really impacted us in that regard, as far as like, I mean, it's impacted everybody. So mm-hmm. not, this isn't me looking for pity or anything. It's, uh, we just, we, we had the certain set of circumstances in front of us and we kind of picked this path and I'll be on right by right after Christmas. Um, I kind of decided like, all right, well, you know what? I'm, I, let me just take the rest of this year. I'm going to focus on the kids. We're going to do the school stuff. And then in the summer, I'll kind of circle back. And it was like two weeks later, Brent got let go. And then he shot me a message and I was like, ah, yeah, all right, let's do it. So <laughs> I went from like, literally to like, just done, like checking out. We, I, we'd actually shifted, we sold our house kind of during the pandemic stuff. So all again, part of COVID and not working for eight months or whatever it was something we had to do but um so there was it was a hectic few months there where we were selling our house we're starting a podcast from scratch uh covid locked it like it was a mess so uh but yeah brent reached out Uh, i'm glad he did um i was very fortunate that uh, they they thought that i could kind of do what they were looking for so um it was i love challenges like that and i love uh, building things from scratch. I got, I know I just complained about it two seconds ago, uh, during COVID, like having to make everything from scratch, but it's fun, right? It's fun to design from the very beginning, right? From the logo to the look and feel. And so it's been a lot of that. I think, um, uh, something that's different in this role right now for me is I'm spending a lot more time just on the editing and the production side of things, uh, versus the social media side of things. So it's, it's been a good change in that regard. Like you, I'm just gaining more skills and all those things. So it's been great in a lot of uh, aspects, but I was really happy that those guys gave me a shot to uh, get this off the ground with them. Cause I mean, those guys are, those guys are big in this market. Right. So I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what they do and where, where it builds from here. Anytime you're launching a new venture, right? Like it takes time often to build up your fan base and get mm-hmm. your subscribers and your followers, this and that and the other. And you look at the success that the show has had, it's almost like you guys got shot out of a cannon. Like you guys are up there on those top sports podcasts in all of Canada. You guys are getting thousands of interactions and retweets and tags, downloads, streams, everything. Like it's been good. Were you surprised at how quickly the sports community and not just Ottawa, but just the wider sports community really embraced and took to this show? Yeah. And you know, what's funny. And the honest answer is, um, uh, a little bit but not not for not for the reasons you think it, the weirdest part is is like I, I don't leave my house right like I never see anybody so it's all it's all just up in the air right like it's just tweets and people saying things I rarely see people in person where we talk about the show like so it's it's hard to gauge like I, I always have trouble gauging like I'm pretty when I would go to send game like with, with send stuff or whatever right I you could always kind of gauge by the the retweets and those things but a lot of it was like okay are people outside of that sphere talking about it like mm-hmm. so i get my, my dad and will watch the show every week and be like ah good show and so like <laughs> i'll get that the next and right after we post it an hour and a half later my dad calls me so it's like i know he's watching it yeah. but i guess a lot of other people are too so that's good it's just been it's been weird to not be out and about and and get to talk to people or see people or whatever listen i don't want to get recognized from the show or anything but I, I it's cool to overhear things or see things and i used to get that all the time one of my favorite things to do when i was with the sends was if i was ever taking an uber or a cab or something late at night from home from the having drinks or whatever is i would just chat up the driver and and i would ask him all the things i wanted to know like Hey, when was the last time you went to a Sens game? Or, Hey, uh, um, do you pick a lot of people up? What are they talking about? And I would just, and I wouldn't tell them what I did or whatever. And I just, cause that's the best like Intel you can get is just, um, cause people that retweet and comment on stuff like, yeah, it's great. I'm at like, they're coming for us. It's more, what do people that don't, or what are the people who don't know about us think? What, how do we get to them? Uh, so that's, that's kind of the fun part of it, um, is really just trying to understand your audience and it's harder. It's harder when you don't see them. 
Um, like at least with Sens games, you'd go to games and you'd see everyone would cheer and you're like, all right, that's good. Now it's, it's, everything's digital, uh, which is good, but it's very, it's a different kind of feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think everyone's getting a little bit tired of doing these screen talks. It'll, it'll be nice to actually see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but looking at, you guys are what, episode 25 now, 26 that you just released? There? Yeah, I think we just did 25. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and just even in those first 25 episodes, like you guys names in there. through like yeah. a pretty good who's who of uh, the hockey world. So, yeah. I mean, if you're putting together just your dream guest, like whether it's from your childhood, current or former athlete, like who is on that sort of dream guest list that you would just love to have on the show at some point? Yeah, I think, I, so I'm a little different than a lot. Like I, I get to talk to a lot of these players all the time. I would, ra- I want to, one of my things I always liked doing, and this goes back to kind of, again, my time at the sense, um, is when we would play video games with the guys, I would never make them play hockey. Like mm-hmm. you play hockey all the time, right? I would get them to play something else. Yeah. And then the flip side would be is if we ever had access to a celebrity or whoever, I would ask them specifically about hockey, right? Like I want to know what you, th- so I, I would like to bring in some more celebrity names. I'm not suggesting Justin Bieber, for example, but <laughs> I would like to bring in some big, uh, the Bill Burrs, right? Like the, the big celebrity hockey fans. I want to talk to them. Those are the people that, cause then we can give them some insight. They can give us some insight. And uh, so I, I think for me, like those are the ones that are going to be exciting are the ones outside of the sport. So I'm hoping we will have some of those coming out. I don't know who, but um, that's where I think we'll have some, some fun. So there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of people out there that are, they're in, into hockey. And um, so I'd like to, I'm, the Sens never really had good celebrity fans though. We had a few. Anne Murray. Um, <laughs> so maybe we get Anne Murray on the show. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Julia Robert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Carrie Underwood when Mr. Fisher was in. Yeah, Nashville. for a little bit. Yeah, I think she's pretty solid Nashville Predators now. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so maybe maybe that's something down the line. There was a while there where the Hillary Duffs and the uh, Carrie Underwoods and stuff. So maybe maybe we maybe these new players can start dating some of these celebrities and we'll get them in. There you go. So if yeah. John Hamm or Margot Roby or uh, sure, we'll take them. Yeah, yeah. We'll reach out to Craig. He'll, he'll <laughs> exactly just slide into the DMs, Margot Robbie. It's yeah, allowed. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have also got your first Wally and Mathot event coming up now that you guys are golf thing. Yeah, golf thing. So I can you tell it. us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. But see, that's a, that's a Brent. Brent ran with that one. Brent and Faces, like they got together and DIFD. I know that's something Mark's into as well. Mm-hmm. That came together super quick. I think they were, I think that's how easy it was. Is they're like, hey, do you want to do a golf tournament? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and they said, what about for DIFD? And everyone was like, yes. So I think it literally came together that quickly. So uh, it's pretty, pretty nice when you can partner with some other big entities in the city, like Faces and DIFD and uh, heading over to the Canadian. Like I'm excited to see how that's going to be. But that's also largely because I, I don't ever get to see anybody so the thought of like any type of plan where a bunch of people are going to be around like that sounds good to me so uh i think that that'll be a blast and hopefully i i think that's pretty good on the course i've never seen brent golf he says he's okay but i don't know we'll see i'm excited to see uh brent swing some clubs and we'll get the truth that i hope he's terrible and i hope he gets roasted for it but yeah. i don't know we'll see he's probably better than i think I was going to say, so are we going to get any of that, like the match style content coming up there? Yeah, somebody tweeted that at me yesterday. I think it was Kevin Lee tweeted at me yesterday. And that's where it's like, okay, well, let's get these guys partners then, right? Like, that'd be fun. Um, I threw out, I threw out uh, Meth and Eric versus Wally and Alfie, but there's a lot you can do there, right? Like just different, or maybe put Brent and Mark together and they got to go up against somebody. I don't know. There's some, I think that that's the kind of uh, stuff that gets my content brain going a little bit so yes that would be fun and uh, that's something we've talked about doing for a while now that we can sort of be maybe outside together it's like well what can we do outside together so golf is one of those things whether we just head to the range and knock some balls around and just chat I don't know so I think those are the fun things we're gonna and I like that other people are thinking that way too because it means we're probably onto something and it'll be interesting to see when you do pitch that idea to them there, whether they are on board. Yeah, with, yeah exactly. let's team up or no, no, well, I'm burying this guy. I'm oh, yeah, 100 percent. That's where it's like, what would get them going? I think that they'd argue a lot either way. So yeah. it's, <laughs> if they were on the same team or they weren't, I think they'd go back and forth a lot. So that's fun. So I think yeah. that's what we, and we just got to capture that and put it up online and everybody wins. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys usually end your shows with some fan questions and mm-hmm not all of it even has to do with hockey. Like some of it's like, who would you rather pair up with for the zombie apocalypse and stuff? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. 
you run the show, the Wally and Mathot show. We're going to okay. end with three questions of Wally or Mathot. So okay. I'm going to give you three hypothetical scenarios. You tell me which okay. of those two you're going to side with there. And hopefully this doesn't get you in any hot water when you go back to edit their show. So. <laughs> All right. You've entered into the famous Nathan's hot dog eating contest. You can take either Wally or Mathot as your partner to eat as many hot dogs as you can. Who are you taking as your partner? I, well, I think I got to take Mark Mathot and that's largely just size. And <laughs> he's a big, he's like a horse, that guy. So I imagine he can probably eat more. Brent's, Brent's been, he's look, he's built, he's been built the same his entire, I don't think he, and plus he's the pickiest eater I know yeah. uh, that over the age of five. So uh, I don't, I, the hot dogs would be undercooked or over, well, you wouldn't want to undercook. There might yeah. be some dietary it, requests. Yeah, there'd be sesame seeds on the bun and oh, I don't do sesame seeds. That's my brand, I guess. I would take Mark Mathot all day long. He could probably crush some dogs, I think. All right. You have to bet your life savings on okay. one of them winning a karaoke contest. Who do you choose? I got to go with Mark Mathot again. Only because I think to, to really like, to really do well at the karaoke thing is you got to go off the board. And if he sing, if he goes metal, yeah, I think I think he'd make he'd make enough of a statement. Whereas the only way I could, I really think we could get Brent to win is if we went the comedy route, mm -hmm. which by the way I would love to see. So if Brent was singing, I don't know, single uh, ladies, Beyonce. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna go like Beyonce or something like that. I think maybe, but I haven't seen him dance, so I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to hitch my uh, wagon to that horse without knowing. So I, I guess I, that's two for Mark. Okay, the last one's gonna have to be Brent. So hopefully it's a good question for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say there. Mark, Mark would come out to like Slayer Raining Blood or something like that and fully yeah. get up there. He, he would lean into that. So it's funny you mentioned dance because guess mm. what? Last okay, good. Here, oh, all right. Yeah. Head to head ballroom dancing competition. Who wins, Lisa and Brent or Mark and Ellie? I, I'm going to give this one to Brent and it's just because he's so light on his little feet. Like he's so, I think that, I, I mean, you wouldn't, you'd get a very stoic non-smiley, which I think if we're doing kind of ballroom is probably best for him. He owns the most suits and has the most makeup out of all of us. So I would say he'd, he'd look the nicest. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Brent. Hey, I'll take Brent and Lisa. I could, well, and I think Lisa would lead I think, yeah. if I could add that in there. <laughs> there you go. Lisa will bring him home to the promised land. Yeah, yeah. She'll do all the work and he'll just look pretty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. For those who are living under a rock and haven't heard of the Wally and Mathot show and all the content you guys are putting out there, where is the best place for people to find you, whether it's social media or to stream the podcast themselves? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the best, I always send people to YouTube. Just search out Wally and Mathot on YouTube. That's where all the episodes go. Um, but if you'd like little snippets and reminders when they post up, be sure to follow us on Twitter. It's probably the main place where we're most active. So just at Wally and Mathot on Twitter um but yeah we got a little something for everybody instagram if you want to mess around over there facebook whatever but yeah i would say twitter twitter and uh youtube swing by throw a subscribe throw us a follow and uh yeah stay tuned for episode 26 and beyond beautiful all right like we said at the top of the show there we are doing some homeschooling so i can yeah, back to work get her pattern upstairs so i'll let you go but best of luck with all the upcoming episodes as well too you guys have had so much success and uh we love seeing you guys grow so keep it going Awesome. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate it. Taking a quick break before we get to Alex's segment to remind you guys to head over to mybookie.ag. And when you get there, make sure you use the promo code DYNESPORTS. That's D-Y-N-E-S. Sports with an S at the end of it. No spaces in between so they know who sent you. MyBookie has the friendliest lines around the internet so you can get all of your wagers in so you can maximize your bets every single time. You've been listening to the show and you've been betting along with my recommendations so far you would have gone two for two so again i'm not professing to be notre dame over here but if you want to put a little something alongside us as well too i've got another parlay for you tonight coming from the nhl we are going to take jets money line to win and defeat the montreal canadians then we're going to take the total goals over between the vegas golden knights and the colorado avalanche that's at five and a half i think they can get to six tonight that's that parlay will get you a plus 220 odds on whatever bet you put down. Again, make sure you gamble responsibly. Must be 18 or older. Only bet what you're willing to lose. We wish the best of luck to you out there, everyone. Go and check out MyBookie today. MyBookie.ag. That's their website. Or head over to the Dines Press Box. And we've got 
all sorts of links that'll take you right to their home pages. Now, let's get back to the show with our friend, Alex Dorward. All right, and joining us on the podcast today, we've got founder of the 12 Because Charity, which is raising funds for different charitable causes each and every month, Alex Dorward. Alex, how are you doing tonight, sir? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me here, Kyle. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. So before we get into all the charity stuff there, I mean, you're an Ottawa guy. It is Leafs Elimination Day today. Did you want to get a quick pot shot or yet another epic collapse in the playoffs? Uh, I don't like going after low-hanging fruit, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for others. Uh, it's just too easy. It's too easy to poke fun. So it yeah. takes away the fun almost, so I'm not going to do it. There you go, right? We had uh, Craig Medallia on at the top of the show. He said pretty much the same thing. Like, it's yeah. almost not even fun anymore. <laughs> it's just like the turning of the seasons. Like, you just know that collapse yeah. is going to come. So all, all those years of them being big brother, little brother, I think it's almost gone like Godfather style, and the Leafs are now Fredo, and we got to send them out into a rowboat. Yeah, yeah. When they were down three, when, when the, the Habs were down 3-1, people, saying oh no the Leafs might win I said hey you know I wouldn't never underestimate the Leafs ability to tank <laughs> and, and to choke in the playoffs so yeah. yeah absolutely so you're a 40 under 40 winner you've started and sold multiple companies you're a COO at a company you're building a house right now and on top of that you decided you know what my plate is not full enough I need to now take on 12 different charitable challenges and not just raising money, but physical feats as well, too. How did all of this come about? Yeah, good question. Um, so there, there's kind of two sides to the story or kind of two threads that led to this. So over the pandemic, a lot of people had a tough time staying motivated, uh, avoiding procrastination. You know, when you're when you're working from home, it's often easy to just delay things. Oh, I'll, I'll clean the dishes later. Oh, I'll do so-and-so later because you're pretty well always home. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, that can also result in procrastinating when it comes to physical as well as mental health. So I recognized that I was not in a good routine, you know, nothing tragic or, or super negative. It was just, I wasn't in a great routine. I wasn't waking up and taking my shower in the morning. I wasn't as if, uh, efficient with my time as I would have been prior to the pandemic. So I wanted to find a way that I could stay a little more motivated and a little more engaged. Uh, in parallel to that, I also uh, recognize that a lot of charities are having a hard time. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one, a lot of people have less money in their pockets to donate. But on top of that, a lot of charities rely on fundraising initiatives that are in person. Um, my June feed, for example, is Jump Rope for Heart. And as you may remember from elementary school, that's where the schools, numerous schools participate and, and have the, the students do skipping for, for um, you know, an hour, two hours, whatever it may be. Those events are no longer possible. And some charities actually lost money because they would have already had to have paid for a venue or whatever it may have been uh, and weren't able to get that reimbursed. So um, charities are hurting. So between those two points, I kind of thought, okay, well, what can I do? Is there something I can do that, that kind of uh, helps both those, those uh, threads, you know, one's a bit more selfish and one's a bit more selfless. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do another, you know, fundraiser. I, I did a fundraiser in 2009. I did a marathon for uh, war child. And then in uh, two years ago, 2000, well, two and a half years now, uh, I did a um, Olympic triathlon for a war child as well. And, and those are one-offs and they were good experiences, but I wanted to do something a little more creative, a little more innovative this time. So I thought let's do something with more of a, a higher frequency, more, more frequent and has a reoccurrence. Uh, Cause maybe that will in, in, uh, drive a bit more engagement, but I thought doing the same thing over and over again would be kind of boring and the novelty effect uh, effect would wear off. So I decided, you know, maybe I'll just do, numerous things over a period of time. And I thought, okay, well, let's do 12 charities uh, for uh, 12 months. And for each month, I would do a different feat. I mean, the, 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 the focus is on physical feet, but with every physical component, there's a mental component. And I thought this was a, a good opportunity for me to help out, but also help myself out a bit. And touched on it there as well, too. There's obviously some physical components to this. And it's not just, you know, oh, we're going to run a little bake sale or do the, the Michael Scott fun run or anything like that here. Like, yeah. there are some fairly grueling challenges. So 
a lot of people will do that, the low hanging fruit. And it will be, you know, oh, I'm do, gonna do a 5K. I'm gonna shave my head. I'm gonna do, you know, all these little things. You're doing these like 60 kilometer things, these giant walks, these, you know, portaging down rivers, all of that. Like, why did you decide to take those challenges to the extreme as opposed to just doing the run of the mill stuff? A couple of reasons for that. So one, to challenge myself. Part of this, as I mentioned, was to make sure that I'm staying physically and, and, and mentally engaged. And, and if I'm not challenging myself, I'm not going to be that into it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm kind of a go big or go home kind of guy. And, and you know, I did my first marathon without really any running experience prior to that. I mean, I ran cross country in middle school, but that was, that was basically the extent of it. So I, everyone told me, oh, just do a half marathon first. I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to do a full. So for this, I wanted to make sure that I was challenging myself. Secondly, I thought it would be more engaging uh, and, and more interesting to people if they were feats that seemed kind of crazy. So some of them don't may not seem that crazy, but if you start to do them, you realize like again, for June, I'm doing a jump rope for heart and I'm skipping continuously for an hour. And that might seem easy, uh, but it's really not. It's actually really exhausting. If you just get a skipping rope and try to jump for five minutes, you'll probably be exhausted maybe not you specifically kyle but but the average person i'm pretty sure would be pretty exhausted after five minutes you are giving me far too much credit for my peak physical condition right now. <laughs> the pandemic well, for a year i don't well, five minutes might even be a bit much for me i don't want to make any assumptions but but uh, for the most part that, that's a really challenging thing to do and, and there's a lot of components to that, that that people may not think of for me the biggest challenge with skipping for an hour is actually my arms because think about it, your arms are upright for an hour straight with a little bit of rotation that just doing that for an hour straight would be difficult. Factor in uh, the, the the impact on your knees, uh, on your calves, uh, shins, all, all these other things that are a little more obvious. And then of course, factor in the cardio aspect. Uh, so uh, another one would be the walk. The walk is 50 kilometers that I've done in March for Breast Cancer Society of Canada. And people think I walk every day, mm -hmm. which is you know true for most people. Um, and it's just not that simple. Like with any, anything endurance, it's not just linear. It doesn't just hurt a bit more the longer you go. Anything endurance related is exponential. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hurt a lot more at 31 kilometers as you did at 30 and, and et cetera. And it just goes onwards. So I try to get a balance of things that people could do in smaller doses. So with the walk, they didn't have to do the 50K. They could do 20, they could do 10, whatever. I had a bunch of people join me all with varying fitness levels and all uh, decided to do different distances. Now, same with the skipping. I'm, I'm asking people, to join me, you know, dedicate an hour. You don't need to skip for the hour, but just like you did in elementary school, you'd have an hour or two and, and you just skip, do as much or as little as you want. In my case, I'm going to push myself to go as much as hard and as fast and as long as I can. So what does a typical like workout week look like? Yeah. Then? Like how much time are you putting into the actual training for these feats leading up to them? Yeah, it's, it's tough to train for, for a lot of these because some of them are complimentary, like skipping is, is complimentary to running. But some of them really aren't that that helpful um, for there's not that many synergies if that's a, if that applies here. Um, so my typical day is basically two feats. I try to do two feats a day worth of training, um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, the exact feats, just some sort of uh, activity that's that differs. So yesterday I skipped and I played tennis. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually I also. Um, I also went for a bike ride. So I guess I did three yesterday, but I try to have a variety of, of um, routines or activities every day. And, and, you know, given the weather, you, you kind of have to be reactive a little bit. I, I can't be as proactive as I want to for most of these because uh, they involve the outdoors. But I, yeah, as I, as I mentioned, I try to get two uh, different activities in every single day. And what has it been like doing all this through a pandemic? Obviously, gyms are closed. All the sports facilities are closed. A lot of the places, you know, you go to a track field or something like that. It, you're not even allowed there if there's other people. Like, how has that sort of impacted your routine then? It's been a little tough, to be honest. Uh, in the summer, sorry, in the winter, I was still trying to train for the skipping because it was the first real, really tough physical one. Uh, so I started training over the winter as well. And I obviously couldn't skip outside because it's, you know, icy, rainy, snowy, whatever. Um, but I couldn't really go to a gym or anything. So I skipped in the parking garage of my condo, but I had to wear a mask. It just makes it that much harder. So uh, not only was I 
not skipping in an ideal location with proper airflow and whatnot. I also had a mask on top of it. So it's definitely impacted me uh, in other ways as well. I mean, for instance, I'm like, obviously I can't, uh, I couldn't play tennis for the last little while as well. And tennis is a great workout. It works out, you know, a variety of muscles throughout the body. Running has been okay. Uh, cycling has been okay, but even cycling, it's been because of the pandemic, one downstream impact is that everybody wants to be a cyclist now. So trying to get a booking to get my bike serviced, it took like two months <laughs> to get an appointment to get my bike serviced for the servicing that I need. So there are, there are definitely uh, challenges that the pandemic have posed, but overall, I think, I think I've been fairly creative with, with that. Oh, one, one other thing I want to add there was my April feet was carrying uh, 20 liters of water for six kilometers and, and then finish it up with the staircase behind Parliament Hill. That one, you typically weight train in the gym. Yeah. Couldn't do that. So instead I literally just walked around again, the parking garage, right. uh, going okay. up to different floors, levels in the parking garage, carrying the 20 liters of water. So with a mask. Yeah. So again, a lot of different impacts here, but manageable. So have you explained to the people in your condo what it yeah. is you're doing, or do they just think that you're that weird neighbor at this point now? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. So I posted on the condo's Facebook group saying, hey, if you see me, you know, skipping or walking around with waters, uh, water jugs, it's because I'm training for something. Yeah. Uh, but the, the number of people in that Facebook group is probably about 25% of the building occupancies. So basically three quarters of the people have no idea what I'm doing and yeah. they just assume that I'm the weirdo. Yeah. Okay. There you go then. Right. That's okay. It's a necessary <laughs> evil, I guess. That's, that's yeah. right. So if we get into the actual challenges and the charities themselves, I mean, first off, how did you land on the 12 charities that you did end up choosing? Yeah. So the first thing was I wanted to make sure there was a variety of charities uh, because in my previous fundraising initiatives, I always found that people have kind of their, their go-to causes or their go-to uh, charities. And, and because of that, some people say, oh, well, I'm not going to donate to War Child because I'm really focused on local charities like Chio Foundation or the Youth Service Bureau. So I wanted to kind of alleviate that, that possibility for people to not donate basically by having a variety. So I've got basically an equal distribution of uh, local in Ottawa, um, national and kind of global charities. So that was the first kind of framework or overall guidelines I had for the charities. Then on top of that, me personally, I like to choose charities based on uh, data. So for me, it's not necessarily what's the closest personal connection to me, uh, which, which typically is the case. Uh, but for me, it's not. I, I went with data and I chose two data points. One, number of people impacted. And two, the efficiency at which the charity is, is allocating that money towards programming. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of balanced those two. So for instance, uh, I wanted to make sure that in terms of need, heart disease is the leading cause of death globally and has been consistently. So right off the bat, that to me had to be one of the causes. Uh, similarly, I wanted to do something around climate change because that is going to impact or has already impacted many people and will continue to impact more and more people every single year. So that's to me a, a huge cause. But I also wanted to recognize there are some smaller charities that focus on, you know, kind of maybe potentially smaller or more focused programming like Minwashin Lodge, which is an Indigenous women's shelter here in Ottawa. And the data there is that there's a lot of data to support this, but um, as we've seen with even with Kamloops, with the residential school, people are a bit more engaged now, but traditionally people have not been that engaged in Indigenous reconciliation and um, despite the fact that uh, poverty rates are higher, uh, crime rates are higher, um, discrimination is targeted towards Indigenous people. So there's a lot of data points I go, I, I can use there to validate or, or justify choosing that as a cause. And then in terms of money spent, uh, War Child, 98 cents on the dollar goes towards programming. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's great. There are some charities where it's, you know, pretty low, like 60 cents on the dollar. Um, which there's lots of reasons for that, but personally, that's not my cup of tea. So I'd rather make sure that the charities I'm choosing have pretty good bang for your buck or value that goes to actual uh, programming. And the challenges as well, too. You've mentioned a couple of them. So you've got some things that, okay, yeah, an hour of skipping, that, that's obviously challenging there. But then you've got Olympic triathlon you've got coming up, you're doing a marathon, and then 
you've got some more strange ones as well too like did i read right that on your website you're going to spend four hours underwater or something one of these months is coming up here yeah that's right in july yeah i, I try to get a mixture of things that are just physically tough that people know about but also ones that are kind of yeah as you said kind of out there and people might think oh okay what's this all about and in and, and that one the idea was it's in support of uh, the world wildlife fund and the idea here is that i'm raising awareness for the oceans and i'm not going to dive in the ocean for for a variety of reasons for four hours but i'm, I'm a, a certified dive master and, and, and diving is a passion of mine so i wanted to see how i can kind of hedge um, my passion with for diving and my my passion for the environment so that was a kind of an interesting one so yeah i'll be i'll be spending four hours uh, in a pool pretty well doing nothing yeah uh, i'm going to try to make it interactive i'm going to try a live stream down there and have people ask me uh, questions so i can show them things about diving how to clear your mask how to use your, your octopus and, and and whatnot or change gear underwater to try to make it engaging but this one's definitely um, kind of out of left field. I've got some other ones coming up that are a little hush hush right now that are definitely different. Um, my October one for Chio Foundation, still finalizing it, but this one's going to be really cool. I have an Olympic gold medalist joining me in this feat. My November one for November, I'm still working on this one too, but this one's going to be, it's going to be food related. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so there's going to be some some interesting challenges and then february the goal is to go for a world record i'm not going to say which one yet but that is the plan and that's for pink shirt day okay so the one in the pool is this going to be at your condo pool as well too <laughs> or, no, no it, it won't be there <laughs> um it, it'll be actually at my parents pool i think um okay. unfortunately i think i have to do it that way because of covid yeah. i don't want to plan for some pub i wanted to plan for um city of ottawa pool yeah but unfortunately it, logistically it's too challenging with not knowing what the restrictions are going to be like by then well i was going to say too it avoids the uh, off chance that all of a sudden midway through your feet you've got a kid's birthday party comes down there that's expecting to go for a swim and yeah. <laughs> there you are in the deep end they're just hanging out hour two of four or whatever right yeah yeah also don't want to get you know hit with uh, band-aids yeah. <laughs> in the public pools. It's the worst. Yeah. So of all the feats that you have lined up, is there one that you are, let's put it this way, least looking forward to doing? Like, is there one you're kind of not as enthusiastic about the others as? In terms of just physically, I'm, I'm least looking forward to the marathon. I, I hate running. Yeah. I, I really do. I, I, did, I did the marathon, as I said, in 2009. Uh, hated every minute of it. And I told myself, if I didn't do it in less than four hours, I would have to do it again. Uh, luckily, I did do it in less than four hours. And therefore, I haven't really run that much since. <laughs> so uh, this, I'm really dreading, I don't want to do it. But the fact that I don't want to do it is why I want to do it. Uh, it's good to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And, and that's why I chose the marathon again. Uh, and, and it's for the Terry Fox Foundation. So another point I want to make is that most of my feats, or pretty well all my feats, have some sort of symbolism to the charity. Uh, that one's an obvious one, the marathon with um, Terry Fox Foundation with the Marathon of Hope. Uh, some others are a little more out, out of left field again, like the, the diving one. But again, it's still, it still relates. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, definitely the marathon. My, I do not have good knees. And now... I've got shin splints thanks to the skipping. So those two things combined is going to make this very difficult. Plus I'm 12 years older than last time. Yeah. So you're just glutton for punishment at this point here. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You mentioned shin splints, right? Because uh, again, you're getting a little bit older than you were when you were doing some of these things in the past and you are training fairly regularly and rigorously. So have you had any injuries to date or have you had to do any kind of rehab or physio or anything on that side of things? Yeah, I'm going to physio every other week. And now I'm starting kind of every week and a half. I'm, I'm doing that thanks to one of my sponsors at Performance Sports Therapy. They they helped me out a lot. They've, they've helped me in the past as well. When I was doing the triathlon training a couple of years ago, I don't know how, but I guess I, I, I tore a muscle in my groin and, and that thing's been uh, nagging me ever since. So I kind of go to physio pr uh, 
proactively for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shin splints, I go to get physio on, do some dry needling for my groin. Um, and also, yeah, as I mentioned, the, the, the groin, I've got scar tissue in there, so it's, it doesn't really heal up that well. And it, it is a nagging injury for sure. So, uh, in summary, the injuries I've got are really not that bad, but a reoccurring injury with, um, a slight tear in my groin. I've got shin splints. Um, I don't know how it happened, but somewhere along the way, I've now got some weird nerve damage in my foot. So, uh, part of my, my, uh, big toe is pretty well always numb. Uh, so that doesn't really impact me too much. It's more of a, more of a bummer than anything, but <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've been fortunate. I've got no real injuries, just really being careful and making sure that I'm preventing myself from getting an injury. You know, like if you look at Kevin Durant in the Raptors, year you know he he came back from injury a little too early and as a result he got a, a worse injury or equally as bad however you want to diagnose it but yeah it did not work out well so i don't want to repeat kevin durant's mistakes yeah man it's fun getting older right eh? just all, all the things that used to be okay yeah i'm yeah. gonna go whatever party all night and do hope beach volleyball the next day or whatever and now it's like oh my god you're the tin man getting out of bed some days right yeah and, and the other thing too is that um to me, an injury as a kid or as a teenager was a broken bone or a bloody nose or something. Yeah. Now an injury is completely internal and I've got nothing to show for it. <laughs> At least with a, with a scar, you can show as a battle wound yeah. with me. It's like, Oh yeah, I, I have a tear deep in my tissue that no one's ever going to know if I actually have it or not. Yeah. So it doesn't, doesn't have the same amount of, uh, uh, impact or, or, or can't get as uh, much sympathy, I guess. So, yeah, exactly. That's the best way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Well, we wish you all the best with all of these feats that you guys have got lined up, but for those who want to either get involved, learn more about you, learn more about the charities, where are the best places people can go to get more information about what you're doing? Uh, the best place is probably 12 because.ca. It's a website. Uh, one thing I've noticed is people think that this is part of some sort of affiliate marketing charity scheme. It's, it's, it's not, it's my initiative. I founded it. Uh, I'm not doing this as part of a broader thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 12 because.ca, that's my website for this initiative. And uh, each month you can see the charity. I've got an explanation for why that charity. And I've got an explanation for why that feat and kind of how they tie in. And I've um, got some uh, existing or uh, old videos from previous feats that I'm posting on there as well. You can also check me out on Facebook or Instagram and and Twitter to a lesser extent, although I'm trying to get better at that. Yeah, so I, I think people can help out by by just raising awareness for these charities. That's that's the most important thing. But also, of course, they want to donate if they want to participate in any of these feats. Uh, as I mentioned with the walk, I had, well, there's COVID restrictions, but I had up to 10 people at a time walking with me. Uh, for June, I want people to virtually dedicate an hour to uh, Jump Rope for Heart. For other months, particularly the Chio one, that's going to be, that's in October, and it's going to be much more collaborative. So people can join these feats, actually participate in them with me. And again, they don't have to do the full feat with me. You know, if you want to do the marathon with me and just do a 5K, that's fine. You want to do an Olympic triathlon and you want to have a relay. So one person swims, one person bikes, one person runs against me. That's cool too. I'm open to any ideas or any ways that people want to get involved, but uh, stay tuned on my website and my social channels for, for the latest updates. There you go. I'll maybe participate in the swimming portion, just backyard in my pool, do a couple laps for you. But as far as actually swimming 1.5 K you're on your own there, my friend. Uh, yeah. It's, it's swimming is a tough one too, you know, cause yeah. it's, I'm glad the the swim is the first part because if the swim was the last part of the triathlon, I'd probably drown. Yeah. So yeah, yeah but, but uh, rhyme and reason to why they make it the first part of the triathlon. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But if you wanted to join uh, in for the, the swim, you can just kind of come to my, parents pool and chill and have a drink above me and i'll and, be your personal lifeguard just. yeah you can pass down the notes of what people want want to see me do yeah there you go that's more my speed i love it yeah. but hey it's amazing what you're doing 12 amazing charities go and check out the website and if you want to get involved reach out to alex alex thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us tonight no thanks a lot Kyle. i really really appreciate you giving me the opportunity and, and getting the spread awareness for these great charities
that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. As always, a huge thank you goes out to both our guests today, Craig Medallia from the Wally and Mutt Thought Show, and Alex Dorward, who is doing all sorts of good stuff, raising tons of funds for both local and international charities through his feats that he's got going on. So be sure to go and check out some of the things he has in the works as well. Like we always remind you, if you like what you heard, be sure to throw us a subscription, like, review, share it with a friend. Let's keep growing this community we've got going on here. We've also got various social media channels. Drop us a follow along, any of those as well, too. They're all at Dying Sports, one word, sports with an S at the end of it. And we're across all the major social media platforms. Also have our YouTube channel cranking out daily content as well so you can see some of the behind the scenes stuff and some more in-depth interviews and some just cool stuff that our team has going on there as well too so be sure to throw us a subscription on there too until next time folks we'll have some more phenomenal guests coming your way stay safe get outside enjoy the weather we'll see you in a bit